Hello, welcome to Pod Songs. I'm Jack Stafford, and I interview inspiring people in service to others as inspiration for a brand new song. As you may or may not know, I started the Pod Song project as a way to promote the Ethereum Society, which is a spiritual organization that I'm a member of. And today I'm going to speak with one of the international directors in London. Please welcome Mark Bennett. kick it off with uh, how you joined the society um i was uh, my first encounter with the interior with the ethereum society um uh, was uh when i was 14 uh living in rural sussex uh and um my parents were discussing what to watch on television that evening and of course in those days we only had four channels so this was regarded as quite an important conversation, how to spend the evening, um, and there wasn't a great deal of choice. And my mother uh, was very uh, enthusiastically putting forward the case that we should watch this documentary about the planet Venus. And I was quite surprised by this because my mother was not particularly interested in space. Um, or anything cosmic, as far as I was aware. Um, but there was nothing else on, so my father and I didn't really argue, and uh, we we watched this program. It was a Horizon documentary, and um, most of it was quite um, scientific uh, in the in the normal sense. And there was this short segment, probably about five minutes. Uh, which included an interview with a staff member of the Ethereum Society in Los Angeles um, and some footage of Operation Prayer Power. And it all seemed to me at that time to be um, obviously very strange. I'd never never really encountered anything quite like it. Um, And I certainly wouldn't say that I believed it. You know, the mo- maybe there are some people who would say, yeah, I saw the Ethereum Society and that was it. I knew this was for me. I didn't have that. I was fascinated. I was intrigued. Uh, but I was certainly not convinced. Um, but I wanted to know more. And, you know, again, in those days, it was 1994. So it wasn't that easy um, to find out more. I couldn't just go online. Um, but I watched every TV program I could that was anything to do with extraterrestrial life. And um, I even remember going to a bookshop and trying to find a map of Los... Well, I did find a map of Los Angeles and trying to locate the address that I'd seen of the Ethereum Society um, uh, and then trying to you know, work out the full address because it was only part of the address. Um, from this one TV show, um, which I I, I, I I don't even remember what happened really, but it, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I ever found any any kind of coherent address. But there was a program maybe a year or two later, um, which gave you the option of writing in to any of the religions featured on the program. I think it was called Desperately Seeking Something. And that was the first time, as far as I remember, that I realized, that I found out that the Ethereum Society also had a center in the UK. I was thrilled to learn this, and I wrote, wrote up to, um, wrote, wrote into the, the, the TV show to, to get the um, little booklet with all the addresses of these um, unusual religions. And then I wrote in to the Ethereum Society asking questions. Then I started calling um, to ask questions. And um, people were very helpful in the answers they gave. And then I visited, I attended for the first time um, while Dr. King was actually still alive. He was um, in Los Angeles at the time of call. Well, he, no, he was in Santa Barbara, to be more precise at the time. Um, it was the first I attended 
the first Sunday service of 1997, which is, of course, the year he passed away. And, um, yeah, gosh, it's, it's interesting to think back on that. It's um, such a long time ago now. Um, I feel very privileged, although I never had the privilege of meeting him, I do feel privileged to at least have been able to attend the Theorist Society activities in his lifetime. But even then, um, I was very keen, but I wouldn't say again, I wouldn't say I was absolutely convinced. It was very much a slow learning curve for me. Um, and I became really convinced probably shortly before my 18th birthday. Uh, and I became a member on my 18th birthday, um, which was also a, a prayer pad day, which was a, a happy coincidence, so to speak. Um, so I was able to take part in prayer pad on that special day, my birthday, and the day I became a full member. And I got a blessing from uh, Richard Lawrence uh, on that day as well. Um, so I think sort of what I take away from the whole experience is that, you know, the teachings of the Aetherist Study are very advanced and as such seem very strange. Not because they are strange, they're not really strange, but we live on a very strange planet. Um, if you live on a strange planet, then that which actually is logical and normal in galactic terms is going to seem strange. Um, and, and since then, um, it's um, although I'd say I was, yeah, I was convinced at that age and have remained convinced, but it's become, how can I put it, it's a bit like... Um, looking at a black and white picture, and you're convinced you can see what's in the picture, but over time, that picture comes to life with color. And I'd say that virtually every day that I live the Ethereum Society life, um, you know, that picture becomes more real, more vibrant, more clear, uh, deeper, um, it's an amazing thing. It's not, um, you hear people sometimes talking about their crisis of faith and that they want to believe in various religions. Mm -hmm. It's not an issue I've really come across in the Ethereum society um, because it's, you're not trying to believe something for belief's sake you're appreciating something that is actually real. Um, so as long as you don't sort of turn away from truth, as long as you don't want to turn away from truth, then that kind of a problem doesn't really seem to exist once you put in a certain degree of effort, which you do have to do, um, to find out that it's true, and then it's no longer a question of belief, it's a question of understanding. There's actually a great quote by Isaac Newton, I don't remember it actually word for word, um, but it's very close to the following. It's something like, um, you know, you can believe anything, but you can only understand that which is true. Um, and I think there's a lot of um, lot of depth to that in that if something is a nonsense or even part nonsense um, or just a bit off in one way or another, you can only understand it insofar as it's not off. Yeah, but if something is absolutely true, it's there for your divine faculty of logical appreciation to resonate with um, the divine aspect of manifestation, which is logic. So going back to before you decided to become a member, can you remember 
maybe a tipping point or what? What? Yeah, no, they're, they're, well, um, it was. I th- yes, I, I suppose there were there were probably a few. Um, um, there were in the beginning. I was very opinionated as a teen. Well, I'm still very opinionated, but I was very opinionated <laughs> as a teenager as well. And there were, to be honest, a lot of things about Ethereum society that I didn't agree with. Um, I, I mean, in the very beginning, I didn't even agree with karma and reincarnation. I even remember discussing this with a teacher at school when I was, I don't know, certainly no older than 12, probably about 10. And she mentioned quite flippantly something to do with past lives. I think she believed in past lives, um, but it was just an off-the-cuff kind of a comment. And I said to her, I don't believe in reincarnation. Um, you know, so it was that kind of ingrained in me, even at a very young age, to have opinions about these things. And, you know, of course, in the Ethereum Society, reincarnation is a very fundamental aspect of our belief. And it came to the point where whenever I disagreed with something, after looking into, a, into it a bit, I realized that I was wrong. And then it got to the point, I actually remember the very moment when I thought this, it got to the point where I thought, well, hang on, this keeps happening. I keep disagreeing, looking into it, and then finding out that I was wrong. So maybe I should just assume that the Ethereum Society teaching is right and try to understand it uh, rather than arguing about it. Not take it in blind faith but try to understand it in an open-minded way with a, a kind of an assumption that almost certainly I was going to find out that it would be right. So that was kind of the, 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 the logical aspect of my journey. That's a very enlightened thing to, to do. Not many people, I can't get over myself like that. I mean, In what way? You know, I keep banging my head against brick walls and... Uh... But you really took you stood, stood out of yourself and said, probably what I'm thinking is wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I was just sort of fed up with fighting and losing battle, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, all I wanted, all I wanted was truth. I, I didn't really have any agenda uh, in the sense of I didn't want to believe in the Ethereum Society because I liked it, or I didn't want to disbelieve in it because I didn't like it. It was just well, this seems to be truth, so let's, you know, keep going in that direction because that seems to be working in the, in the journey of my understanding. So that was the logical aspect. Um, there was a sense perception aspect, uh, which was not seeing a UFO or anything kind of like that, uh, but it was very important to me. And that is when I first started practicing Ethereum Society practices, prayer and mantra and visualization in the way that we do it in the society, um, I began having pretty intense um, uh, physical sensations. Um, I felt a very strong um, kind of a pressure in the solar plexus and in the forehead and generally in a different way, but in the aura. And when I first started to feel these things, it didn't take very long. Um, I don't remember how long. It wasn't the first time I ever did the 12 blessings, but it was pretty soon thereafter. And I was thinking, what the hell is going on with me? You know, what, what is this? I mean, it was because it, was, it wasn't painful, but it was... I'd say there were elements of discomfort in it because it was so unfamiliar and so intense. And I thought, hang on, I'm trying to do something good here and I'm getting all these weird feelings. What the, what the hell is this about? And at that time, it seems unbelievable now, but at that time I didn't even know that the solar plexus was a chakra and that there was a chakra in the forehead. Um, and I, I probably I must have known something about the aura, but I... Yeah, I think with the aura, I think I did sort of have a sense of it, but I was still pretty blown away by how intense the feeling was. And the fact that at least some of these sensations 
I didn't even know what they were at all, namely the solar, well, definitely the solar plexus. I definitely didn't know that. Um, the aura and the, 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 the Christ center sensations. I think I may have had an inkling, uh, may have read something to that effect, but I still didn't really get it. I didn't really get it. So I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, now, if I do this, I'm going to feel something in the solar plexus, in the aura, and, the, uh, and in the chrysalis. Not at all. It took me quite by surprise. So this was kind of like just the clue I needed that something mm. really was happening. Because it couldn't have been psychosomatic because I didn't know it was meant to be happening. Yeah, Or, or, or <laughs> maybe not meant to be happening, but that it made sense that it might happen. Yeah. I, I didn't know at all. Um, so I can't, I mean, you know, for all the listeners are concerned, I could be making the whole thing up. So it's not proof to anyone listening, but it was proof to me, or at least sure. very strong evidence to me. Um, and that's what you get on the path. You, you get the proof that you need. If you really want truth, number one, and number two, you want it for the right reason, not just so you can sort of show off as some fancy guru or something, but so that you can use that knowledge of truth to help others. If you have those two uh, faculties in your motivation uh, and you're willing to put in the effort and it doesn't take that much, you don't have to climb Everest six times or something, you just have to put the effort in, be sincere, and keep at it, and then you must get truth. And if uh, you need a certain kind of proof, you will get it. For some people, that might be seeing a flying saucer. For other people, that might be a psychic sensation. Um, for some people, it might just be a, an intuitive realization. Whatever. These things are quite varied. But if your motive is right, you will get whatever you need. This is an absolute guarantee on the path. So people who sort of, um, you know, express skepticism and disbelief and all that, of course, it's understandable, but it's right there for the taking if you really want it. Um, you, you, just, you just have to have an open mind, the right motive, and put in a reasonable amount of effort. And I think, you know, I've talked about, you know, the sense perception aspect uh, of it um, in terms of, well, it's kind of a psychic sense perception aspect, but it's still sense perception. Talked about the logic, but really the thing that I think grabbed me in the beginning um, and uh, sort of has continued grabbing me ever since in harmony with the sense perception and the logic, uh, but probably as the primary factor nevertheless is an intuitive realization that this is truth. Because it didn't really make sense to me in the beginning why I would even be that interested in the mm. ethereal society. Yes, over time I began to understand it logically and I had these psychic sensations. But that took a bit, bit of time. You know, it wasn't immediate. But the immediate thing, which manifested in the conscious mind as curiosity, but I think was in fact, uh, that was a manifestation of the superconscious intuitive realization that this was truth. Mm. Yeah. So you've got those three things, really. You've got sense perception, whether it be psychic or non-psychic, logic and intuition. These are the ways to know truth. And if you dedicate yourself um, to these, then you will have a, um, well, you'll begin to have uh, a rounded understanding and appreciation of truth. Some people veer more to one than the other. I'd say personally, my favorite is probably the logic. I, I love the logic of it. Me too. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, maybe it's our, our sort of um, Western um, 20th century, 21st century minds. 
Aquarian could be the egg. Um, whereas you might have someone else who was maybe, um, you know, in a different place, different culture, different kind of education and values, who might be far more intuitively astute than we are. Um, uh, or then again, you might have someone who'd grown up in an environment where psychic phenomena were far more the norm, or they may have themselves a particularly strong ability in that area, uh, which they would have earned from previous lives. Um, and maybe that's what helps them on the path. So it doesn't really matter what brings you onto the path, um, as long as as long as it gets you there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more advanced you get, there will come a time for everyone when you have to embrace all three aspects. You know, you you, you, you can't go, you know, all the way to adeptship or mastery just on a sort of intuitive feeling without any sense of logic um and and likewise you can't go there just logically without any intuition and of course psychic powers and the ability to correctly use and perceive use the senses and perceive things through the senses these are all essential uh on the path to to take you the whole way and I think that Dr. George King was very remarkable in this respect in that he, um, more than any other teacher that I can think of, I'm not saying there isn't another one, but more than any other teacher I can think of, he really emphasized the logical aspect. Mm. You know, um, he certainly emphasized intuition too, but the logic, um, you kind of expect him to emphasize intuition but the logic, he, he really um, bangs it home to us that, you know, this is very important. Um, and uh, he talks about it a lot in his own thought process as well. And, of course, we know that he was a master of psychic abilities um, and had, <clears throat> had had some, you know, astounding experiences in this regard which might even send the average person a bit crazy uh, but they didn't send him crazy because he had that um, you know that perfect balance that control uh, which um, enabled him to appreciate God from all sides I would say When you when you think about skeptics, the ones I've spoken to, they they kind of think they already know the answer, so they don't look for they don't look for any, or examine any evidence. They don't don't go and read a book about reincarnation or this. They just when 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 ideas are presented, they can see tell you why they're wrong or something, or or as evidence. But they don't have this. They're not searching for truth. Well, you you can't you can't fill a glass that isn't empty. You know, if the glass is already full, it's full. Um, you know, that's obviously just a just a, an analogy, but it, 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 it's quite a useful one. I find that also with um, people of any strong viewpoint is um, you can't change their mind. I mean, I haven't tried for years mm. really to change anyone's mind, but as a teenager, I used to a bit in my you know youthful. Uh, idealism uh, and enthusiasm um, and it never worked um, you know because it's just you know that if someone is already convinced of something um, you know you're not really gonna you're not really gonna be able to help them very much so I mean now uh, when this sort of thing comes up um, I'm more like, well, if you want to ask me a question, I'm happy to answer it. Um, but I'm not really willing to argue with you. Um, I don't feel any need to argue with you um, uh, because I don't have any desire to convince you and I don't feel in any way insecure in my own beliefs. 
So there's no point in an argument. But if you want to ask me a question, I'll answer it. And you could put a counter position and I'll explain my position, but I'm not going to go on and on and on in some argument with somebody who clearly doesn't believe it and doesn't even really, yeah, isn't really even open at the end of the day to any viewpoint other than their own. The only time I might, to some degree, uh, have to do that is if I was doing an interview with a um, journalist um, or on TV or something and and I needed to really fight my corner, mm. not for my own sake or for their sake, but for the sake of those who might be listening or watching who did really want to know the truth. Mm. Um, but even then, I'd only take it so far. I mean, you can state your position and, you know, that's it, really. It is not our obligation uh, in any sense to, you know, go on and on and on and on and on about what we believe. It's our job to share what we believe, to help people to understand it, to answer questions. But that is it. Hmm. I was speaking to a friend of mine the other day, and he's quite an open-minded guy, um, and I was explaining... I think I got to the subject where I played him something about um, drug addicts. Um, Dr. King says that they damage their aura and they go to the lower realms when you're reborn on the lower, lower realms. And every very your aura is very distorted, um, not very pretty to look at, and you, you suffer quite a lot for that. And, um, and he said, well, you know, that, that really didn't resonate with him and he you know, he discerned, he used his logic and his, you know, and his judgment. And he said that, you know, that someone like the teachings like the Dalai Lama or some teachings based on love, but, you know, that you wouldn't suffer like that for some actions that you did in this life because, you know, you it could have been him. He had a, a bad childhood. He could have been a drug addict, but he, would, he wouldn't be punished like that. So what, what would... But it's not punishment. Okay. Um, in cosmic terms, in divine terms, there is no such thing as punishment. Mm. Uh, but let's, okay, well, let's take this example. Let's say that, um, <clears throat> let's say that someone is a very nice, spiritual, good person, um, and they um, decide one evening to sort of, it's a lovely summer's evening, they decide to sort of go running about outside. Yeah, um, and uh, they're on holiday at the time and they just walk out of their hotel room and they start running about beautiful, clean grass, lovely, fresh air. And what they don't realize is that their hotel is actually on the edge of a cliff and they're running around very happy and spiritual and all that and they jump off the edge of the cliff. Now, however happy and spiritual they are, if they jump off a cliff, they're going to die. Yeah? Mm. It, it, it's not... Um, and the fact that they die through jumping off the cliff is not uh, a judgment on their morality or their goodness in any way. It's just what happens if you jump off cliffs. Yeah? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, just, uh, it's, um, it's just an aspect... Of, everything is an aspect of the law of God, but it's not the kind of, in inverted commas moral or spiritual aspect. These divisions are actually, you know, quite superficial, quite terrestrial viewpoints, I think, because to a more advanced mind, everything is God, and therefore everything that happens is an aspect of the law of God, and it, it, you can't sort of um, separate and categorize things in the way that we might try to on this planet. Um, but the bottom line is if you do something... Uh, that's dangerous, and it, and you know it has a bad result. It has a bad result. It's not about punishment. It's just what happens. Yeah, um, and you know through the lives you learn, and um, I mean this is one of the one of the very beautiful things about. Well, I was going to say about a theorist society teachings, but I mean really it's 
the beautiful things about God is that no one is ever beyond redemption. Um, even uh, literally Satan himself or the aspects of Satan, whatever they now may be, you know, will one day return to God. You know, it doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. You will one day become an advanced being. Mm. Um, the only difference is, uh, well, I suppose there's various ways of looking at it, but one difference is how long it takes. Is it going to take you, well, with the best one in the world, well, I don't know about you, Jack, but speaking for myself, I mean, with, in, with the best one in the world, I, I don't think I could become a master in this life, even if I did everything right, which I don't do, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I don't know how many lives, um, but it uh, be an interesting question to, to know the answer to. Um, but, I mean... You know, let's say theoretically it might be ten. Yeah, if I if I did everything I was meant to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you know, I could be looking at cosmic consciousness in ten lives, or if I'm lazy, or if I worse still, you know, sort of turn to the dark side, it could be millions of lives away. Yeah. So um, that's that's. That's the issue. It's not if, it's when. Hmm. And, you know, you could, you could get someone who might be a bit flippant and say, oh, well, well that's all right. So I can do whatever I like. To which my answer would be, well, yes, you can. If you're willing to suffer for millions of lives and to make other people suffer too hmm. um, through your inaction or your wrong action. So, but yes, it is a choice. We can see it's a choice because it happens. Yeah, um, we're not forced to the light. You know, not in the immediate sense, anyway. Um, in our ignorance, it might be nice if we were. Um, it, it sort of theoretically, but that's not how life is, and it's not how life should be either. Um, because this is, you know, this is the law of God. We, we do have free will. Uh, but as lower aspects of God, um, we might misuse that free will, but there will come a time when we tire of that. Mm. And we see, it's a little bit like what I was saying in the beginning, actually, Jack, you know, when I sort of gave up arguing about the teachings and more said, okay, I don't understand this. Um, you know, it might not seem immediately obvious to me, but I'm going to assume it's correct and try to understand it. I gave up the approach of, no, that's wrong, and I'm going to tell you why it's wrong, because it always turned out that I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> and that wasn't because anyone was, uh, by the way, sort of browbeating me into this view. It was, um, it was very much just that, um, logically, that's just the way it was. And um, I had a lot of time to reflect on that um, without anyone trying to convince me one way or the other. Or if anything, I'd say most of the contact I had probably with other people at that time was probably people trying to dissuade me from it mm. rather than persuade me. Um, but uh, there you go. I guess once you once you accept reincarnation as an idea and then you like you say you you take that into the silence and you think about it then yeah well, everything, I that think has a everything that has a beginning must have an end there must there must be a reason for this and, and modern science says there's no reason for life there's no purpose but if we're in this reincarnatory cycle we must have had a beginning and an end and so we're going somewhere and when you read a book like the nine well the nine freedoms and then it lays it all out there. It's just, that really makes sense, though. Yeah, well, this scientific thing about, well, so-called scientific thing about, you know, various things having no reason is a very unscientific approach. Um, because, okay, you could say, you know, as sort of, 
evolution as physically, you know, as understood through Darwinism and all that. And um, there's a lot to be said for that, I think, as, as well as a kind of different topic, a big topic. But, um, you know, it doesn't explain consciousness. It doesn't explain self-awareness. Not really. Um, and it doesn't explain uh, why anything should exist at all. I mean, that's the big question. Why does anything exist at all? And the scientists will say, well, it's the Big Bang. Okay, fine. Uh, I'm not against the Big Bang, um, but why was there a Big Bang? What banged? What was there to bang? Yeah? It, it, it doesn't really get to the nub of the question of why. Why does anything exist at all? Why does that which exists, in some cases at least, know it exists? It, why, is, why is there consciousness? Why does anything happen at all? Why isn't there just nothing? Um, and, and, and I'd be quite interested to ask a scientist what they'd have to say on this. I, I, I'm usually, I, I believe in science a lot, and I, I'm not, I'm not very uh, educated in science, but I have a lot of respect for the scientific approach. Um, and I try to sort of be as, um, how can I put it, sort of as orthodox as possible with regard to science. Um, but I'm sometimes very disappointed with science, scientifically minded people. I, I remember I used to... Uh, you know, many years ago, I used to discuss this kind of thing a lot with a friend of mine who got a first in physics at Cambridge. And he was a very intelligent guy, very nice guy, but he just didn't really, didn't really, didn't really even, didn't really seem to engage with the questions that I was asking. Mm -hmm. Um... He, you know, he could argue about, uh, he could argue um, very well about, you know, certain maybe <clears throat> psychic phenomena or one specific case or something like that that he might have looked into. He, he could come up with quite a lot about that, rightly or wrongly, but he couldn't really, and didn't seem very interested even really in embracing, you know, these, the real big mm. question, why does anything exist at all. And to say that there is no reason, in my opinion, is a very unscientific approach, because you're saying that something came from nothing, which is fundamentally contrary, <clears throat> uh, in my limited understanding anyway, is contrary to everything we know about science. You know, that there's always a reason. Um, so there must be a reason why anything exists at all. And I would say that that reason is God. And then the scientists, I can almost hear them now, sort of throwing their hands up in the air and saying, oh, so you think some old man on a cloud, you know, invented creation. No, I don't. I don't really know what God is. It's certainly not an old man on a cloud. Um, because even that very notion is an aspect of manifestation. It's not that which precedes manifestation. Therefore, it cannot be the cause of manifestation. Um, but whatever that amazing, miraculous, uh, non-dualistic principle is behind manifestation, that's God. So I'd say rather than sort of imagining God as a man on a cloud and thinking of that man on a cloud creating manifestation, I'd say in some ways it's better to think of manifestation, of creation, of the universe, time and space, etc., and think, well, whatever is behind that is God. Hmm. So it's more of a question, what could be behind that? rather than us imposing a kind of um, uh, anthropomorphic idea of God 
onto this principle, imagining it being like us, which happens all too often. There's a there's a there's a quote actually, which I think is um, uh, I think it, it's often attributed to one of the French philosophers. I forget if it's Rousseau or Descartes, but anyway, w- whichever one it was, it turns out that the the the, the origin of this quote actually is a bit more um, nebulous. Uh, but it's worth the effect of um, uh, God created man in his own image, and man, being a gentleman, returned the favour. So, <laughs> in other words, you know, we have created uh, a kind of a false God in our own image, a God with emotions and favouritism and... I would say very questionable um, morals, quite frankly. I mean, sending someone to hell for all eternity for not believing in you, I mean, that's pretty That's pretty nasty, I would say. <laughs> I speak to a lot of scientists on this show, and they, um, they firstly, you can't, it's difficult to argue with them because they're so intelligent. Mm. Um, and, and secondly, you know, they're, they're right because, like you say, all these the men made the relig- a lot of aspects of the religion and you know the the dark forces did had a lot of handiwork in that no and um and uh well, you know but when well, you see these the dark, yeah the dark forces but i think also we shouldn't underestimate the um seemingly almost infinite power of just basic human stupidity <laughs> uh you know it's not just a case of you know the dark forces it, 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 of course, that's a, it is a factor. But, I mean, people just get things wrong. Uh, people remember things wrong, uh, if remember is the word, but they, they think they remember things which they don't. Um, they think they know more than they do. They make mm-hmm. assumptions. Well, I say they, we. <laughs> you know, we all do this to one degree or another. Um, if we didn't, you know, we'd be far more enlightened people. But we, even people with the best will in the world will make certain mistakes. Um, if you've got two good people, let's say, who both have a good motive but are still limited people, and there's something that's a bit questionable about a certain religion, they might easily come to differing viewpoints, both of which might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, give it a few generations and then you have two different religions as a result. Mm. And, and this is one reason why motive is so important, because although you could make a mistake, uh, even with you know, a very good motive, if you really cultivate motive through the lives, um, then it becomes, let's say, less and less likely that you're going to make a big mistake. Uh, because your motive will guide you. Um, so, you know, at the kind of stage that we're at now, um, you know, yeah, unfortunately any of us could make a mistake and let's hope to God it's not a big one when we do. Um, but if we, you know, keep at uh, our firm intention to have the best motive we can, which is service to others, selfless service to others, then you know, through the lives, it'll become increasingly improbable that we're going to make a big mistake that's going to really uh, seriously impact on our own evolution or the evolution of others. I try to remember that service to others, but even when I'm emptying my inbox, I put a little note up there, you know, try and answer this every email that you're trying to help the person who you send an email to and it makes it a lot more pleasurable experience to go to churn through the emails i found yeah exactly yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good uh, it's a good thought actually i could probably apply that a lot more in my own life because a lot of the emails <laughs> I, get, I don't really welcome very much <laughs> to be honest um but yeah i mean every experience whether we like it or not um is an opportunity for us to learn and grow. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There's this big misunderstanding about God now. I mean, people think, yeah, man with beard, but 
if it's everything and abs- everything in, in existence and not in existence, if it's everything, you can't really argue against the you know infinite sure. universe and all of na- the functions of nature. I mean, if you say even scientists would say, okay, if you want to call that God, okay, well, I believe in that, you know, because it's, yeah, that, well, it's, well, it's the law well, of physics, well, it's everything. Well, yeah, well, that's what it is. Yeah. That is what it is. I mean, you know, so, well, let's team up with the scientists then, if that's what they believe. I'm really happy to do that. Um, but then they come, on and argue, they, they come on and argue against consciousness, and it's kind of like they're arguing against their own existence now. They talk, a conscious being is talking to me, and they're saying that they don't exist. I mean. Yeah, it's a, it's a big. That's a that's a that's a big topic. Isn't mm. it? I think that's the, the topic of a podcast in itself, really. Hmm. Or, or a few, yeah. Um, and it's always with consciousness yeah. makes matter, or matter makes consciousness. And that's what that's what they always argue against, you know. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't. I don't really think I could do it justice in just a few sentences, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, it, no, you're right though. I mean, it's it's not even the subject of one podcast. It's the subject. It's the subject. It's the ultimate subject of all existence, really, for all eternity, isn't it? If you take it to to, to, to the extreme. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I think just one thought on that subject is okay. You could come up with all kinds of arguments about you know consciousness and in inverted commas being necessary for survival of the fittest and all that and uh, probably a lot of good points in all of that but it still doesn't answer the question of why does it exist at all hmm. <laughs> why does survival of the fittest exist if that's the ultimate truth in their minds you know why does a planet exist why does anything exist at all so when the theory uh, society what what would be the reason for all of it god um uh, sorry if that sounds like a cop-out answer but, <laughs> I mean, that, that is the answer um but could you go into the different aspects of because the, there's there's, uh, there's ideas in the beliefs of the Ethereum society which you don't encounter in other religions maybe you could go into the cosmic aspect well, um yeah um well thinking of the the seven dimensions of creation uh not a big subject but remember the 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 sort of the top dimension if i might use that word is divine will um and thereafter is mind um it would seem in short that all of creation is the result of divine will and is in effect the mind of God. So we are, in a sense, figments of God's imagination. Um, does that mean we're not real? Well, we are real in that we, we are what we are, you know, but we're not real in the sense of the ultimate unchangeable reality that is God. Um, <clears throat> if um, a divine will did not exist and had not created mind, um, divine mind, you might call it, then nothing would exist at all. There would simply be divinity. Um, and yet, at the same time, there is nothing but divinity. This is when really, um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's quite, quite enjoyable to talk about these things, but to really even begin to grasp them, you do need to spend some time uh, just thinking about it all. And here's a little idea, little idea. I suggested this to a friend and he, 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 who, did, who was not in the Ethereum Society, and he told me that he had a massive effect on him. I said, tomorrow, when you're going to work, you know, I mean, don't let it, he was on the bus, he wasn't driving, but don't let it distract you too much if you're driving or something. But, um, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing, 
just look around you and think everything you see is an aspect of the mind of God. Everything you see has divine potential. Everything you see exists for a reason, however good or bad it may be, however weird it may be to us that such a thing may have any purpose whatsoever, it does. Hmm. To embrace the allness of God, basically. And you can do this. I'm trying to do it a bit now while I'm talking to you. I'm slightly distracting myself because I'm talking. Uh, but I'm looking around and I'm thinking, and I'm seeing things in a totally different way. But I'm seeing it in my room here's quite a few sort of messy things or things that need cleaning and what have you. But however messy or unclean it may be, even that is an aspect of God. And just applying this simple practice of looking around and realizing that it's not saying, therefore, that everything's okay. It's not saying, okay, well, I've got a dirty dish there, but because it's an aspect of God, I never need to clean. It's not saying that. Uh, rather, uh, I mean, it's a bit simplistic, simplistic, but rather I would say that, um, you know, the reason for the dirty dish being there is so that I have to clean it mm. um, you know, to sort of teach me about discipline and, and, and um, uh, hygiene. and all. Uh, it's, it's a bit simplistic, I know, because then you could ask, well, why do you need discipline? Why do you need hygiene? But it's, you know, it doesn't mean you don't need to do anything. Right. It's a, it, 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 it's, a, it's a little paradoxical because you could say, yeah, but if I didn't ever clean that dish by the same token, that would be an aspect of God too. <laughs> and my answer to that would be yes. But do you really want to spend the rest of your life living next to a dirty dish? Mm. Yeah? Or would you rather live in a nice clean home with a clean dish? You know, it, it might seem silly even to talk in this way, um, but it's a, a very basic manifestation of um, a much deeper point. I think she even had a poem like "In God I Saw." Does that ring a bell? It doesn't. I, 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 I I'm a big fan of Shivananda, but I do not know that poem. I think it was, but yeah, like even when you get, even when you're enlightened, when you're a son, or you still. You just get a deeper understanding of that one basic truth and of that simplicity, and and maybe that's something to talk about too in the theorist society that the sun is a conscious being, that the book God in the Bible is the sun, the the earth is a conscious being. We're of we're on we're on an evolutionary, but we're evolving into the sun, into the earth, and the galaxies are conscious being. Um, yeah, with regards to the sun, I think if you if you said to somebody. Um, you know, you know what? There's this uh, magic ball in the sky that is this beautiful golden white color that enables everything on our planet to live. It sounds like something out of science fiction. I mean, it, it sounds like a fantasy thing. Mm. Made everything yet, on the planet. Yeah, and then yet it's true. You know, we have, and if you. Obviously, you shouldn't sort of stare at the sun because it'll hurt your eyes. But, I mean, just an appreciation of the sun when we're walking around. You probably have more appreciation than I do because you live in a nice, sunny country. <laughs> but wherever you live, you're going to have some idea of what the sun is. And, um, yeah, I mean, just think about what an amazing thing it is. Just, just looking even without the Ethereum Society or any religious beliefs whatsoever – you know, you've got this thing that gives us light, warmth, and basically nourishes, uh, well, together with the earth itself, herself, everything that we need. Mm. Uh, you know, it's quite an extraordinary thing. And um, uh, it, 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 it's, uh, it's not really that big a leap to regard it as a divine being. Yeah, many religions, but even before... The cosmic, even before Christianity or Buddhism or any of the yeah, main well, religions, they worship the sun, no? Yeah, it's kind of gone out of fashion a bit, unfortunately, hasn't it? I, I can't think of any... Um, uh, they do it in small, tribal... 
Yeah, I can't think of any religion with a sort of large number of adherents in the modern world that recognize the divinity of the sun or the earth. But the Bible is based on the sun, no? the, the, the spoken yeah. word. Yeah. How, how, is that, how did that work and how did that get taken out or how is that hidden in the Bible? Uh, well, let's just, I, I've, got, I've got the 12 blessings in front of me. So this is in the, in the blessing to the sun. Um, and let's just read the words. Um, if you, my children, would change from men to God, men, you would send your love always towards this great being, which you now take for granted. For this is the God of your Bible. It is the Brahma of the Hindu scripts. This is the nearest thing to God in your concept of manifestation. So, okay, um, I'm not really qualified to understand all of that, of course, but I'm nevertheless going to take a, take a stab at it, at some of it. I don't think it means that um, in the Bible, um, you know, the, 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 the scribes of old knew that God was the sun, and then somehow this, they either lied or forgot or it got changed. Some, I, don't think, I don't think they knew. Mm -hmm. Or if they did, I don't think it was common knowledge. Maybe some of them did. Um, I think that, um, and similarly, as far as Brahma and the Hindu scripts are concerned, I don't think this is a, a case really of people knowing and making a mistake or consciously deceiving. I think what this statement is about is more to do with what we're... So, the nearest thing to God in your concept of manifestation, I think it's more about our concept of manifestation. So I think it's more saying that even if we enter cosmic consciousness and have a, a very profound realization of God, it isn't really going to extend beyond an understanding of what the sun is. So that's a little clumsily put, I'm afraid, but I think that's I think that's the essence of it. Um, there have been religions, of course, that have openly embraced the fact that the sun is is divine, um, and um, that's quite an interesting subject because I think it's a big deal um, to put it mildly. Um, mm. Uh, to, to make that one realization, um, it's um, there's uh, probably I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. There's an episode of The Simpsons um, where there's something about sun worship mm -hmm. and um, something about how ridiculous it is. And um, Bart says, um, you know, words to the effect of, yes, yeah, crazy, isn't it? Worshiping the sun. You know, thank goodness we've come to our senses now and we don't do that anymore. Now we just worship a carpenter who we've never met, who lived 2,000 years ago. Uh, I mean, no disrespect, of course, to the Master Jesus, mm. but in the Ethereum Society we have the utmost reverence for the Master Jesus, but we don't believe he is God, you know, as, you know, the ultimate divine manifestation. And Jesus himself certainly did not believe that. In fact, Jesus has given us, you know, the most profound concept of what God is. And it's certainly not uh, himself, you know, as an entity. So um, it, it's just a little illustration, I think, of how conditioning affects beliefs so much. Mm. And some worship, yeah, it seems like this sort of weird, primitive, ancient thing. But, you know, we really analyze beliefs that many people have today that are completely socially acceptable, um, they're pretty far out mm. when it comes to it. I mean, why would God have one son who was also himself, who would be born just once, 2,000 years ago, to save us from sins that presumably God himself had created because God created everything? And, you know, and so it goes on, it's endless questions. And then what about people who've never heard of Jesus? And, you know, is it fair for people to go to eternal hell? All these things, all very good questions. Mm. <clears throat> but it's quite, you know, there are people 
in um, certain mainstream religions. Uh, whether they really believe it today or not, I, I don't know. But their their religions certainly support these notions, and it's certainly permissible at the very least, if not even uh, advisable in these religions to hold such beliefs. And they are far more way out in logical terms than the idea that the sun is a god or that Jesus is an advanced being from another planet. I mean, these are completely rational concepts. And, you know, I think in, well, hopefully not too long, maybe, I mean, times are changing, maybe even in a matter of decades, uh, there'll be a, a big shift in this regard. If not decades, then certainly in centuries, and if not in centuries, then I think probably um, that'll be the end of mankind on Earth. <laughs> we can't carry on forever with our insanity mm. uh, as it is at present. Wow. Yeah. Well, I could keep talking to you all day, Mark, but I've got to do the 12 blessings in uh, in a little bit. So, Yes, absolutely. It's 10 minutes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, that was about an hour, wasn't it? Yeah, so... that was great. That was super helpful. Thank you so much. And uh, I've definitely Good. got inspiration for a song about the sun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I look forward to hearing it. The first time I've ever had a song. <laughs> <laughs> I think it has to be about the sun. So we'll narrow it down. Okay, great. I look forward to it. Yeah. look forward to it. Great. Okay. Well, many thanks, Jack. All the best. Thanks again for your time. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that. 
please check out the Aetherius Society website, aetherius.org, A-E-T-H-R-I-U-S.org. And if you like the song, you can hear it on Deezer, iTunes, Spotify, all the usual streaming channels. Please subscribe on there, uh, click follow, like, share it, make it, add it to a playlist. And also on your podcast app, if you could also write a review, click five stars, share it. That would also help the show tremendously. Thanks again to my musicians, Mauricio Sanicola and Massimino Vodza, and my researcher, Dori Verbo. See you next time. <laughs>